0: from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoetoe, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service, and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. Uh, we've been doing this two-week series, right? It's a two-week series, and we're on week two, and, uh, and it's called Undo. This is what the sermon titled. It's titled Undo. And today, we are on week two, Not to worry if you missed last week's sermon, because um, you can jump on our podcast and you'll be able to listen to it there, um, you know, personally there for you uh, to catch up and be able to repent of your sins. Um, Now, I've been personally challenged uh, with this message, because last week, if you weren't here last week, you know, I got a bit personal and honest with some of the things that God was dealing with me. And... I thought it was over, <laughs> but uh, it didn't seem that way as you prepare the message, um, it deals with you first, and you know, because it's, uh, this this series and this today's sermon is like a deal with my heart kind of lesson, I just want you to get ready for, you know, a real hearty sort of word that I know is going to probably trigger, trigger uh, you to change and some of us to change, just as it has been making me think certain things that I currently sort of need to change in my life, and I only found that out through preparing, you know, these, uh, this sermon. Today's sermon, I, I think, it's going to be short, I hope, um, and simple, one, one, but a simple one, but it's going to be very honest, okay? It's going to be very honest, and it's going to require you and myself to, to make a choice to, to change. And if it's your first time here, coming in, welcome. Um, I don't want to scare you away, and I hope I don't as well. You know, I want to start off by saying, if there is one thing that I've learned about the life of Jesus, it's this, that Jesus wasn't interested in fake followers, fake, in fake followers of God. Yet he was surrounded by so many of them. Most fake followers of God, you know, they had the look. There was this look of success on the outside. But their life in following God's ways was so corrupt on the inside. And so the purpose of this two-week series is for all of us to understand that the obstacles Jesus wants to move in us, to receive passion, to have a relationship in him. Last week I shared about a well-known wristband uh, across the pretty much across the Christian world, and it became then became one of the top-selling accessories, if you if you want to put it that way, in its time. And it was this wristband that's behind me, WWJD. It's an acronym that stood for What Would Jesus Do? And some of us in this very w- room may have worn. This wristband, similar to the image behind me, back in those days, apparently—not uh, apparently—but it was actually um, 1997 is when this wristband actually came out onto the market for sale, and that very year, it sold over 15 million wristbands, and just by one company alone that was distributing this this current, you know, f- fashion craze. And that's over 20 years now that it's been out. And if you wore one of these bands, you know, the purpose of it was a personal reminder, I guess, of the, com- uh, the commitment you made to Jesus to live in a Christ-like way. Another thing it did was it created conversations with people when they'd asked what that wristband meant. And so it gave the opportunity to share the story of Jesus. Well, you know, today with my short time with you, I've put, again, a slight twist, and I shared this last week to this famous slogan, WWJD, what would Jesus do, and ask this question instead, what would Jesus undo? What do you think are some things that bother Jesus? Uh, what, What do you think Jesus couldn't stand being around that he would just try to undo? There are so many stories that we read about Jesus in the Bible and and how people were always out to confront him you know trying to catch him out for breaking the usually you know the Jewish laws that they abided by given by by God and one particular group of religious believers that followed Jesus around to try and catch him out for breaking their laws were these men known as the Pharisees now this religious group i would say you know, they were sincere. They were sincere men who were committed to their beliefs, their theology, and their zeal and their commitment to Scripture. They were righteous in their lifestyles and dedicated to living, you know, untainted um, by the evil of, of the world. But in their pursuit of righteousness and their kind of living, it was over time, the Pharisees were seen as men who lived you know, these things that we usually call out uh, these holy holy people. That's what they were considered as these holy holy people that lived these holy holy lives. But in actual fact, you know, they were corrupt. They were actually a corrupt group of leaders. They lived fake lives for God. Now, I don't know about you, but trying to live a fake life, and that can get pretty tiring. <laughs> most of my most if you know, most of my early Christian life in, in university um, days, I was I was a fake follower of God. Um, I acted like a follower of God in front of people um, that I needed to do that in front of. But then I had completely uh, a completely different group of friends that I would do ungodly stuff with, and I was pretty good at living this double life in university. It, but it got tiring after a while because I just couldn't keep up with it. Well, I must say, I, I don't think the Pharisees, right, they had gotten tired of living this double life, but it was because of Jesus, Jesus interfering with their lives. That is what they didn't enjoy because, you know, people were beginning to lose interest in listening to the Pharisees, to their ways, and become they became more fascinated with this radical person, the, the radical ideas that Jesus had, was introducing, you know, to them. So the Pharisees were uh, a religious group that Jesus was surrounded by who were fake followers of God. And I want to share a story taken from uh, the book of Luke, chapter 18. And it's a story of one of the many times the Pharisees try their best, right? They try their best to catch Jesus out for breaking the laws of God. And this is what, you know, in these verses, starting from verse 9, uh, Jesus, He shares this thing in front of the Pharisees, right? And this is what He says. There were, uh, in verse 9, it says, there were some people. Now, these people, we obviously, we, we don't know, but He was pretty much referring to the Pharisees, okay? So, there were some people who were confident of their own righteousness, and they looked down on everyone else. So this is the story that Jesus told. And this is that two men, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. I'm not like a robber or an evildoer, an adulterer, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector, he stood at a distance and he would not even look up to heaven, but he would beat his chest. And he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I tell you, this is Jesus. He turns back to the crowd and he says, I tell you that this man rather than the other man Went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So, you know, Jesus, as he tells this story, he, he wasn't comparing the deeds of the two men in the story, he was comparing the attitudes, the attitudes of their heart. And one came to the temple, right? This Pharisee, he came to the temple to pray while full of pride. And the other man, this tax collector, came to pray filled with humility. Have you, have you ever realized this? Now, this is just something I thought about while preparing this message. How much you uh, and me, okay, I'll, I'll put myself in here as well. How much we, is that better? How much we enjoy judging each other. I'm not just referring to looking at someone and then, you know, talking behind their backs and with someone else, you know, about their faults. I'm talking about going beyond looking at them, right? And you begin speculating what they're like, judging them by their appearance. And so what we, we are actually doing is, is, I guess it's like, I'm going to call it an educated guess, right? We take a, we're taking an educated guess. What the motors are behind the way they look? I mean, look around you. Did you walk in this morning? And look, oh, what? what is she wearing? Oh, what? what? You never dressed like that. What are you dressed like that for? I don't know. That doesn't happen here. any in the other churches. If you, you know, it's like if you see someone with a style of of dress or or a hair or hair. Sorry, that doesn't include me, you know, that you don't like. It's not hard to judge their character based off their clothes or, or their look, right? I look at someone that is well-dressed, right, with all the latest labeled clothing, and, and then I, t- I begin to judge them. I judge them as being materialistic, or maybe they look poor. I don't know, you know, and I might judge them for being, oh, man, you're just lazy, you know, being lazy and you have no discipline in your life, you need to go out and get a good job and earn good money and, and learn how to work hard. We all probably think like this naturally up in here. In our minds, not probably every day of our lives. <laughs> we all do it. We, we love passing judgment on others because it makes us feel better. Think about it. The ability to see, right, the sins of others, assuming that you can see the sins of others, it makes you feel you're more righteous than they are. So what would Jesus undo? Something I believe Jesus would undo is an attitude that we all struggle with, and that is the attitude of being a hypocrite. Now, I don't want to shock any of us in here this morning and call us all hypocrites. Happy Father's Day, everyone. You're a hypocrite. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But the story, right, I'm talking about the story here. The story Jesus shares to those sitting and listening to him, he uses a Pharisee, a religious leader, a follower of God's laws, as the man who is the one full of pride. This Pharisee is the hypocrite. And the interesting thing is the Pharisee in this story, man, he doesn't even see he's being a hypocrite because he's too busy making judgment on the tax collector what is a hypocrite it is someone who claims to say and live one thing but then lives then lives totally opposite to what they've said what would jesus undo he wants to undo our attitude of being hypocrites jesus uses the story to say the Pharisees were exercising, I guess, a hypocrite type of attitude. <laughs> and this is what I find funny. As a Christ-like follower who many of us claim to be in this room, I myself, I claim myself to be one. I mean, even if you are not a follower of Christ in this place today, you now I'm, I'm grateful that you're here, you know, to, with us. Let me say, maybe let me say it this way, as a human being, yeah, as a human being alive and kicking in this room, it is real easy to see the hypocrite in other people, but it's not easy to see the hypocrite in our lives. You know, in my early years here at Every Nation, I was involved in doing music uh, outside of church in the music scene here in New Zealand, and I still get to do some music outside of church even today from time to die, uh, time, to time and, and I really enjoy it. Now, back then, though, what I would find hard, right, is as this, this Christian that was on fire for God, loved doing music in church, loved doing music out, you know, out in the secular world, um, you know, in the envi- environments that I got to represent Christ in, I would go and I would find it hard because there were musicians that I would be, you know, I'd be surrounded with, and they would would party up, and they would live life off the rails just a little bit, not, not too much. And then these very musicians, they had the nerve, right? They had the nerve to invite people to their church conference they got going on in a few weeks' time at their church where they lead worship. I mean, come on. This is me, right? Thinking, come on. Why the heck would people be interested in coming to church with you when you just finished, you know, either cracking a few Heinekens and smoking dope out the back before going on stage? And a week later, you're trying to invite us all to your church event. (laughs) Did you just think these non-believers that I'm sitting with forgot what you got up to with them a few weeks ago? It annoyed me. But this is another story. I had to repent for that attitude. You know, I like this quote, though, from a well-known author, and he's a theologian, and his name is Brennan Manning. He's no longer alive anymore, but this is what he quotes. He says, The greatest single cause of atheism, a person that does not believe in any kind of God, in the world today is Christians. Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him by their lifestyle, that is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Wow. It's sad that many of us will choose to live the life of a hypocrite. We're all guilty of it, and it's hard to recognize it, even in our own life. A hypocrite preaches one thing and does another. You know, the word hypocrite means to be, man, it means to be a stage actor wearing a mask. So think of a hypocrite as a person who pretends to be a certain way, but really acts and believes the total opposite. And one thing the Pharisees were known for was their act of praying. A few times Jesus mentions this, but once again, their prayers they were misguided look at jesus what he says here about their prayers and this is what he says when you pray do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others truly i tell you they have received their full reward and the pharisees they loved to pray effectively in the public just so they could be heard and to impress the common people with their fancy words and all the knowledge they had accumulated over time of study. They were good at stage acting, wearing a mask, but their heart and attitude was totally opposite to what they believed. If Jesus then is wanting to undo this hypocrite lifestyle in in you and I, then what do we need to do? That's a good question. And there is another time Jesus, he mentions the Pharisees, and I think he's been quite honest here, very honest here, and and these are his words. And he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence, you blind Pharisee. First, clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. And this is just one of the reasons why the Pharisees didn't like Jesus, because he was exposing them for the lying life that they were living. And the common Jews who weren't, you know, they weren't that educated in the Scriptures like the Pharisees, well, they just thought this Jesus guy, you know, was making a lot of, a lot more sense, and many of them you know, took on what Jesus was talking about. So how do you and I, how do we undo a hypocritical or hypocrite lifestyle? And this is the answer I want to offer you. You need to let the Spirit of God do a work internally where no one else sees because that's where our sin grows best in the dark. And that's what Jesus wants to undo in all of us. If I don't deal with my, you know, this hypocrite type of attitude that I have, man, my pride will sneak in and I'll never get the opportunity of experiencing a fullness of humility like the tax collector had in our story. You know, last week I... I shared a a personal story that happened not too long ago as your pastor, (laughs) the pastor of this church, less than a month, and, you know, how God dealt with my heart towards some people who bothered me in the way they were doing things as followers of Christ. It wasn't, sorry, it was a different kind of bothered, you know, from my time's with these fake Christian musicians, right, living a double life out in the music scene I was part of, this particular and current story, man, it really dealt with me. And when my heart was bitter towards the people and the situation, no one in here, okay, just letting you know, because I know some of you, we caught up not long ago, so I'm not talking about you, okay? I love you guys. It's all the others out there. You know, And this particular and current story, it really dealt with me. When my heart was bitter towards these people in this situation, you know, man, I wasn't happy with the decision and I wasn't happy with the outcome that they came up with. And I believe it happened this way (laughs) so it could trigger a soft spot in my heart that I didn't know was there until it was pressed and pushed on. And I tell you, when it was pressed, and pushed on, it hurt. It really hurt. And I felt unrecognized. I felt like I was left out. You know, I felt like I was pushed to the side. So what it exposed, let's say it exposed a, a jealous attitude I had in me. And to add a bit more, right, to the story, which I didn't get to do last week, and it's been more than a month I, I already shared now since I've been back. Uh, I've been away, I was away for a month in Chicago at Wheaton College, and I've just come back from, you know, final papers, uh, completing my studies there. And one of, my <laughs> this is a, one of my assignments, right, was to write this personal reflection, and you think, yeah, that's, I do that all the time. I study the Word of God and, you know, write personal uh, thoughts and, you know, get in tune with God. And, you know, this particular one was a personal reflection on how I plan to pursue growing in my job as a pastor. And I'd like to read you, okay, I'm going to read you a couple of my paragraphs. then laugh at my English. <coughs> but the, these couple of paragraphs it actually links to my attitude from my experience of being jealous last week, and uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and 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 have also just, you know, um, yeah. Let me let me read this to you, and it says this: In all of the callings, roles, and relationships I walk in this life, I desire for humility to be the one to be one of the key values regarding Christlikeness that I would like to work towards. Outside my family and ministry, one of the key areas that God has used me the most throughout the years is my music. I have been a passionate musician, both in church and outside for the last two decades. And during this time, not only has music been an avenue for me to build relationally and even minister and evangelize to people that I otherwise would not have the opportunity to even meet, but it has also been an incredible creative outlet for my personal expression. And with that, I have therefore used it as my main doorway to witness amongst many of the musicians I get the chance to play with on a professional level. And because of the connection we have through music, I have found the fact that I am a pastor as well tends to intrigue people and open the way for conversations about God. And many doors continuously open for me with my music, so I have been able to live out the gospel and also share about Christ with many of those in the secular music community as they see that I am, a pas- I am passionate about both Jesus and music. I am the first to admit, specifically in music, where performance and applause are part and parcel, humility does not come naturally. But this is the goal I would like to fight for. To aim to view the world and the people in it with love and compassion, serving others the way Jesus did. If I am to walk this path of humility, the qualities I aim to cultivate in my personal uh, vocation is to grow in God's joy in leading others by pushing them forward as representatives for God, all with no expectation of gaining recognition for the work that I do, but to make sure any praises I may, rec- I may receive go straight back to God. I had written that, before I got back here. Then I got back here to New Zealand and then I had to deal with my personal issues that I just shared about being bitter. What a way to be dealt with on how to be humble. Usually you like to be humble when you know you've done all the work and everyone in the crowd knows that you've done all the work. (laughs) And, you know, you feel good about yourself that they come up to you and say, man, Ulu, Tauru, we know you did all the work here, but I'm humble. I don't want anyone to know. But everyone knows. Try it when nobody knows. (laughs) Try it when nobody cares. Try it when you are not recognized. That's humility. Humility where it's quite shameful. Quite humiliating. Quite hurtful, but it's a journey that I've chosen to walk. You know, with a bit of time from me, I've been the suki baba, you know. I've been a suki baba on my own, me, myself, and I. You know, my wife wouldn't want any of it. She just said, Come on, man, grow up. (laughs) You're acting younger than your boys. But I I finally came to my senses, right? And I realized that my attitude towards this situation and those involved was all about, man, it was all about humbling me because it's something that I chose and that I want to grow in. And I just read it to you guys in one of my assignments. Man, I just, I didn't expect it to be given to me this way. You know, I'll say that song Sit down, be humble. You know, and I know I have a lot more ahead of me. Oh man, this is fun! I can't wait. This is fantastic. You know, only okay. Hear me here as I finish. Only when internally you are being conformed to the image of Jesus, and the Spirit of God works in you, and God's Word, His Bible, His Word transforms you. Then, out of an overflow of who you are becoming. It displays God's goodness because it's a reflection of His work inside of you. It's a, a, a true spiritual work on the inside of your life. It's not a fake follower of God. And so this is what I want to finish off with. Work the inside first so that you can learn that humility really, what, you know, so you can learn what humility really looks like. And as you choose to walk humility, I mean, I guarantee with some of the little victories that I have, I guarantee that the outside life will follow you. And that's, that's pretty much what I want to encourage. Why? Because that's something that I'm walking through. <laughs> Do I love it? Yes. It's a love and hate relationship having to do it this way. Where are you in your life? Your job? You know, uh, I don't know any kind of leadership role that you do. Or maybe somewhere in your family and you're not recognized. Or, you know, you feel you need to get all that credit. Trust me, man. uh, Myself and my wife, we, we are pastors that will continue to live and walk this way. But we won't do that for you guys. We will push you. We will expose you. We will show you off. Because we're proud of. We are so proud and so blessed at the things that you do within your house, within your family, amongst your community and your job. Man, we see it all. We see it in the church. We see it. And we we show that off. Trust me, we do. But as we show you off, you humble yourself. Can you do that? Now, when you choose to humble yourself, be prepared. Because it won't be the humbling that you expect. But if you learn to walk through it, I tell you, the outside follows of your life. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for...